Welcome to Bizarre Conspiracies. My name is Eric, and today I have... Wait, you have a guest? Well, I got you, my co-host. <laughs> I, I know, I'm with you. I'm Conrad Toll. I am uh, the other <laughs> co-host, and uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Big Pharma because it pairs really nicely with the previous episode we did. Yeah, so if you haven't seen our or heard our previous uh, episode about holistic doctors and the disappearances, you might want to check that one out first, or it actually might be a better one to listen to first. It depends on your preference. And if you look back in our catalog of episodes, you can find that we did a similar episode called Big Business, which also goes really well with... With uh, this topic, it all kind of blends together. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, we do have another episode out. Um, but today we're specifically going to talk about pharmaceutical companies. And, uh, well, are are they good for us, Conrad? Are they bad for us? Is it the same in every country? I personally think it's probably the worst here. I would be inclined to agree. <laughs> so if you don't know, Big Pharma, so according to the, the U.S. Department of Congress, about half of the world's share of the market, uh, Big Pharma pretty much has, right? So American, Americans spend uh, a about roughly $457 billion on prescriptions. This was estimated back in 2015. Keep in mind, these prices, they rise over the years. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, like overall, I believe the statistic that I bumped into was, in general, I think like 17% of the American cap, uh, GDP is spent on medical uh, expenses. So if that's not, not big pharma, but that is like all medical expenses. I would, I would say that's a subset, sub, sub, uh, kind of like a sister company, I guess for, for big pharma. Yeah. What am I thinking I mean, of? Sub subsidiary? Su- yes, that works. <laughs> okay. I think it's subsidiary. Subsidiary. I don't know. Dairy doesn't sound right. <laughs> I don't know. I um, it's sub something. I think it's subsidiary, but I could be wrong. Anyways, uh, so from 1999 through 2016, Big Pharma spent nearly 3.5 billion dollars on lobbying expenses. That's more than any other industry. So why why are they spending so much money? Well, uh, there's an old saying: uh, you gotta spend money to make money. If they're spending this much money, you you gotta know that they're turning a profit, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, I would think so, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I found, um, one of the one of the things that is in the the pharmaceutical industry, there's almost no competition, and the reason for that is because they can charge practically whatever they want, and that's one of the things that comes out of their lobbying. There is almost the the amount of um, legislation that's been passed that prevents competition or prevents even a proper disclosure to the consumer mm. is so poorly constructed that they they're able to thrive in that particular thing, <laughs> particular field. So yeah. So when it comes to um, lobbyists, uh-huh. the reason they, they they're lobbyists spend more than the defense industry lobbyists, and um, they spend more than what was another one that's huge? The oil companies they spend more than both of those. I don't know if it's both of those combined or not, but it's a lot. So to put into consideration, you think well, defense contractors lobbyists. Yeah, those 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 are cons- generally thought of as one of the largest. When people say lobbyists, those are one like one of the biggest ones that come to mind. It's huge, I believe. And, and they're the. Did you say they were the largest? The um, largest, yeah. So yeah. here's the statistic I was looking for earlier. The global revenue for pharmaceuticals in 2014 was over one. 
trillion. So if the thing about <laughs> um, profits is that's not even just that's their growth income <laughs> subtracted by their expenses. So their growth, I don't know if you have that, but it's got to be extraordinary because they have if there's <laughs> that is the, the trillion that they, they make that's been reduced by things like their lobbying bill the largest lobbying bill in the world. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it, uh, there's a, uh, well, okay, let's see. So critics say that big pharma relies on uh, manipulating uh, some, some tactics to increase sales, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, so we know that's true. Have you ever seen a pharmaceutical ad for any kind of drug on TV? Um, yes, but I never pay attention to them because I never take drugs. So I'm not in their group of, <laughs> Hey, you need to buy this. But yeah, um, I think just recently the one that i've been seeing a lot when i've been at uh working at the tax company <laughs> uh uh which one was that it was for um bipolar um mm. uh, that's a big medication. one so yeah mood swings is what it was supposed to reduce so one thing that they all have in common is that the production value is pretty high for a, yeah. a commercial for pharmaceuticals another thing is when they whenever they announce something <clears throat> for a drug they tend to go with like a really soothing voiceover if you're taking blah 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 <laughs> right and then yeah. they'll, they'll list the uh, side effects you know uh, heart complicated they'll do it like one of those uh, what's it called uh, an auctioneer kind of how yeah. they like talk really fast yeah that nice wonderful warble <laughs> <laughs> right yeah I can't I couldn't replicate that if I tried you know the yeah I couldn't either <laughs> the couldn't people either. that they they hire to do that. <laughs> Those people are paid more than voice actors most of the time. <laughs> Those people go to a special school so they can speak fast. And then they're sped up on. Oh, I couldn't do that. I could not do that. But um, so there are tactics that Big Pharma does do to increase their sales. Also, they uh, Big Pharma also uses its profits like <laughs> for an army of like a thousand three hundred three hundred and seventy eight paid lobbyists, right, to spread its whoa, whoa, influence. Whoa. Say that number again. One thousand three hundred seventy eight paid lobbyists, and that's just what we know to spread its influence on. Capitol Hill. Holy moly, that's a lot of people. That that's a lot of lobbyists backing up Big Pharma. Uh-huh. Now, and, and the thing that they lobby for is, um, well. So most of the thing that they, they work in um, quite cohesion with uh, the insurance companies, right? The medical insurance oh, companies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because the big portion of their sales goes out through prescription drugs, and most insurance co- uh, companies cover those <laughs> those drugs, right? And most, uh, absolutely, most of, yeah. Most of the time, I don't think that they make their money off of over-the-counter drugs. I think it's mostly prescriptions. Yeah, I, prescriptions. I don't think it's, it's... Well, okay, here's the thing, though. You know the company Johnson & Johnson? Yes. They do aspirin, you know, a little bit of stuff over-the-counter, right? Right. So, Johnson & Johnson, it's is the world's largest healthcare company, and uh, I think in, Pharmaceutical. like... Pharmaceutical. Well, it's... Or do you mean it, it healthcare just, in general? Like, anything in the healthcare branch, the largest in the healthcare branch? Largest in the healthcare company is what it says. So I'm assuming like healthcare wow, products. So let that sink in. Yeah, it's, pr- it's bigger <laughs> than any group of 
bank, uh, not banks, uh, hospitals. Like if, I don't know if hospitals have like multiple branches, I guess they, they would have, they do. I don't know much about hospitals. I rarely go there, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a pretty big company. And also look, here's the thing though. Johnson and Johnson paid $2.2 billion in 2013 for improper marketing. That did not that, affect. No, that's not just marketing. That is improper marketing. Improper they had, marketing. They had other amounts of marketing on top of that. I th- this is um, <laughs> settlements, lawsuits. This is a hit that they can take and still be the largest company. Now, to take that into consideration, how much was it that Michael Bloomberg spent on his presidential campaign? Wasn't uh, it like a hundred? I don't remember. Or something like that? Uh, okay. Pale, about- pale in, in comparison, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. If he's, if he's, <laughs> and that's just, that's just the improper ads. And I'm pretty sure that everyone in America got to see a Bloomberg ad at some point. Oh, oh yeah. I, I don't know how many times I saw a Bloomberg ad. So imagine that somebody's doing that, but they're using improper ads and then other ads on top of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a big, that's a big marketing campaign. That's a big company. That's how you turn out a trillion dollars in profit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you, you might be able to, uh, remember this how much was the uh the stimulus check that trump recently did uh that was 1200 per person and per person but how, how much was it like total that he got from the uh the federal government wasn't it like a trillion oh. something uh, one trillion two, two trillion it was about two trillion with what they planned on at first i don't know what but they, they've passed something else recently and they are going to increase it up by a little bit more and then there might be another one that comes later that might bump it up to three trillion, but right now I think it's like two point two trillion. So if you if you take that and compare it to like this is how much Big Pharma is taking a year, and this is how much it took for the government to give to its citizens to sustain life, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, not necessarily. It's not necessarily that. Um, so. <laughs> It's not really bad that they're getting tons of money. The issue is that they're getting money improperly. Now, if they were providing a massive amount of service that was good and people actually appreciated their Yeah, it's, their it's what they're doing with the money that's concerning. Um, uh, no, it's how they're getting it and how they're what they're charging for it and that sort of thing. Well, I, I think it's rather concerning what they're doing with it, too, because oh, yeah. you, well, you take yeah. drugs like Ritalin into consideration. You know how many times they push Ritalin onto kids? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> I, I actually have no clue. Now, Ritalin is an ADHD medica- medication, right? Yes, yeah. But it has the chemical, um, the, the, the chemical compound, one of the two chemical compounds that go into methamphetamine, right? Yeah. Yeah, actually, yes. Now, I don't know if it's the meth part or if it's the amphetamine <laughs> part, but it's one of the two, and both of which are extremely addictive and very dangerous. So Ritalin is no joke, and oh, trying no. to get that pushed onto um, minors is probably about the biggest marketing uh, crime you can commit. <laughs> I mean, I've heard people who try to get off of Ritalin and they they describe it something like it's way more addicting than heroin, etc. It's uh, it's pretty bad. So this is not about Ritalin here, but I do have an article about uh, vaccinations, which is a big part of Big Pharma, right? So uh, California's adoption of SB 277 mandating vaccinations for school children kicked off a wave of conspiracy theories about Big Pharma. 
profiteering, bans on homeschooling and population control, uh, big pharma companies forcing expensive vaccination on children, driving up their profit margin, and making kids sick so they'll need more drugs <laughs> to combat, um, you know, whatever effects. Or so th- when when you have normal uh the normal effects to worry about and then the added side effects that's when you get doctors saying well i could prescribe this to offset some of these other side effects that you're taking with that main drug and then you got a whole heap of another problem right cuz you're you're taking drugs to combat the main drug that you really need mm-hmm. and you can end up being prescribed like 5 to 10 pills that you take on a daily and here's the thing that i don't know if <laughs> if you know this but as it comes to a con- uh, a seller, and I'm sure you've seen this recently, but you probably don't understand why. But everybody wants to get some sort of a subscription, an automatic, um, timely payment of something, and it's au- an automatic payment, right? So every uh, I, all the entertainment industries are trying to get you subscribed to something like. Um, I don't know. Netflix subscription. Uh-huh. And then the auto industry is trying to get you subscribed as well to a car payment. <laughs> and the um, insurance companies, you know, they have their premiums and all that sort of thing. Why is it they always push for a regular amount of money each time? And they, it comes out that they actually get more money from you if they can make it a regular payment that you start accepting without even questioning anymore. Oh, yeah. So when it comes to prescriptions that you're constantly having to fill those prescriptions, whether it be through a, uh, your insurance and that you have to pay. I don't know. if See, I don't take prescriptions, so I don't know if <laughs> your your insurance goes up if you're constantly on prescriptions or not. But you're, you're paying through it through the, the prescriptions that way. Or if you're not on insurance or your insurance does not cover the prescription, then they are constantly paying monthly that way. And if they can get you constantly taking something, they remove the idea of the actual transaction does not seem to be happening to you anymore. Psychologically, you're no longer paying them. But you are actually financially paying them. But in your own cycle psycho- and the, the way the human mind works, you're no longer making a payment anymore. Right. You don't don't feel that anymore. It's not like you go to the store and every time you purchase something, you pay more and you think, huh, how could I reduce my shopping bill? Let's see. Do I necessarily need to buy this every single time? No. Or that sort of thing. So if they can get it to the regular expense every time and you don't question the amount that's in there anymore, if they can cram it full of a bunch of stuff that you actually don't need in there, then that's when they can start making the big bucks because then they get you buying a bunch of stuff that you don't need or you don't even question anymore and you wonder, wait, should I be taking this pill still? Should I drop this one? (laughs) And if, if you're constantly filling your prescriptions and all of that and you're no longer making that economical decision in your head, then you're less likely to get off the pill. So, well, here's another thing too. Have you ever heard of uh, evergreening? No. <laughs> Can so, you elaborate, please. So, evergreening is where corporations file for an additional patent on a small change to existing drugs, thereby lengthening their monopoly and blocking affordable generic products. I did not know that. <laughs> now, if they, so but, that means but you're not can't. surprised by it, right? No, not at all. But 
uh, so wait a minute. The original patent that they had, could someone create that thing? So like, I don't know, they're making aspirin and they put a little twist on the aspirin, right? So that we, they can extend their, um, their patent. Can someone make the original version generic or did that, I don't understand how that would work. They take this old invention, they turn it, but then the old, that, that doesn't seem right at all. <laughs> But I, I, oh, that that's not right. It, it, that's it's not it's right. a form of trickery. So yeah. So from what I've uh, understood was there's two type of uh, ingredients in uh, any kind of drug, right? So there's your active ingredients, and then there's your inactive ingredients. And from what I've understood was you need your active ingredients. You can't change those, especially if you're doing a generic version of a well-known name brand. What you can change is the inactive ingredients because they won't have much of effect change on the uh, active ingredient part. So like the, the normal side effect that you would be taking that drug for isn't effective if you change the inactive ingredient. Right. So I think with this where they, now, they the- do the patents to change i think it's small changes to the inactive ingredients right so the inactive ingredient that would be things like the preservatives to keep the medicine from the, going the off. preservative the casing or, um, now does that does that can that do things like uh affect the amount the, the speed at which it is absorbed into your system and the the yes extent, yes yes because, it can affect that okay because you know some <laughs> I, I know some people who did some not some smart things and took some medication that they found that had been that had gone off and what they found is in the inactive ingredient instead of making them sick or whatever it what it had done is it had broken down the amount the speed as to which it um, holds the the duration of the effect of the medication. I forget what it was. It was like Benadryl or something. <laughs> so it's like they got the full effect of all the medication, except it, instead of being extended over a couple of hours, it was like for one hour with heavy effect. <laughs> And then it wore off entirely. Right. So I think that that's the sort of thing that an inactive ingredient does. Yes. And then the active ingredient is the part where that does the effect that we're right, that the right. active ingredient is um, controlling. Yeah, I found out a lot of things when I did research for Big Pharma. I was like, whoa. <laughs> So there's this twist that they're they're doing that allows them to keep um, since they have the patent. Now, patents are in some way one of the most unique things about America. Uh, there's a, some, a lot of countries that don't even have patents. Once you invent something, it's free to everyone. Right. So Not in America. In in America, you get. Um, you can once you invent something, you know, you get the patent and you can produce it, and nobody else can without paying you a royalty on your invention. Now, that's kind of a good thing because that's one of the reasons why so many things were invented in America early on. Um, but it does have its downsides, and one of those is if you can hang on to that patent a little longer, you get rich much faster without having to do anything. Once you invent something, say a drug, so I, I suppose it, it the patents and it, the way that it's supposed to work is it's supposed to help people create new breakthroughs in technology and it's supposed to reward people for making large and steps and leaps and that sort of thing but the way that the pharmaceuticals are using it is wait let's not create something new let's not create something amazing and good and beneficial let's just abuse this little bitty law 
uh, and exploit it so that we can continue to renew this patent. Ugh, I don't know. To me, that seems like it's the the ultimate <laughs> patent sin, I suppose, <laughs> because you're damaging the whole integrity of patents. Uh-huh. And if you were to get rid of patents and you lose all the benefits uh, along with the negatives. So if you're, I, I keep slipping into gamer technology. I wanted to say if you keep spamming <laughs> the, the patent. Well, that, like, that's ah. essentially what, what they're doing, though. Yeah. Uh, and if you tear apart the patents and now people are like, well, patents are causing too much of a strain on the economy and there's too much people getting rich off of some not creating stuff then i don't know you take away the incentive ah that that to lose lose right there that <laughs> is why they have so much money in lobbying so they can get laws that allows them to get those little loopholes what is this what is that thing called green something evergreening evergreening yeah so that's that's why they have lobbyists so they can evergreen evergreen and i also believe it's the insurance as well that allows them to do sneaky things with insurance for instance did you know that medicare let me see if i can find this uh, i took a note of it um medicare is specifically denied the right to negotiate drug prices so medicare like most people who are over the age of 65 um use medicare <laughs> and so pretty much what it's doing is everyone over the age of 65 and who uses probably the majority of medication younger or older people older so the people who are in the category that has the largest amount of of drug prices cannot negotiate their price. And that gets passed off to the federal income, the, the federal government. How nice. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's quite sickening. <laughs> I never thought that the uh, pharmaceutical company could make someone this sick. <laughs> Uh, that's a joke. Of course they do. Mm. So they also, <laughs> speaking of making people sick, there's the, you know, the opioid crisis. It, it would be a great shame if we did this entire podcast and didn't bring up the opioid crisis. Yeah. I actually didn't do a lot of research into the opioid crisis. So if you want to, if you want to, uh, you know, inform us, Conrad, go right ahead. So opioids are a common painkiller, but right. they're also known to be highly addictive. Needing a prescription, um, <laughs> the, the amount, the it, it's kind of this ripple effect where the opioid companies wanting to sell more opioids. What they did is they made a deal with um, a lot of the hospitals to get pe- the doctors to loosen up the restrictions on who gets prescribed opioids. So that way, more people could get prescribed opioids for certain amounts of pain. The 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 loose amount of criteria requires to get an opioid prescription is insane. If you go to a doctor and you just complain about having pains, you can get an opioid prescription. So what's what's a common op- opioid uh, drug? Huh? What's, oh. a, what's a common opioid drug? Is it like... Um... The name of them? I don't know, but the... They're just called opioids as far as I is know. Is it uh, Oxycontin? Would that be one of them? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's find out. Let's see. Oxycontin. Uh, um, fentanyl. Uh, let's see. Uh, opioid drugs include codeine, um, f- uh, fentanyl, hydroconadone, and a few more. <laughs> I, I actually don't know. I've never taken opioids. So I wouldn't. Okay. Oh, codeine, 
fentanyl, hydrocodone, uh, uh, hydromorphidine, hypermetadine, methadone, morphine. Oh, so morphine. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I knew that. Morphine. Uh, (laughs) um, Oxycodone. And yeah, so uh, anything that comes from opioids, (laughs) pretty much. So does that include um, uh, um, heroin? Heroin's an opioid, right? An opioid drug. Uh, I guess. Never looked so, into heroin before. So I believe that, uh, because I believe that the way that it worked is they were using um, morphine as a common uh, painkiller, but then it was discovered that it was addictive. So they tried to create a drug that would help people get off the addiction. And so they mm. created heroin, and then they figured out the heroin's even more addictive. Really? So, <laughs> <laughs> So, so a little bit created, of sarcasm. So they created another drug called dopamine, which is even worse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You know, I think we're coming up on a break here. Oh, wait. Dolphin. Here it is. Dolphin is the same thing as methadone. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. So, yeah. I suppose, should I finish the uh, thing about the... Um, yeah, you could go ahead and finish that really quick. So, the opioid crisis was, as, I forget exactly the numbers of how many people were on it. It was in the millions of people that were considered addicted to opioids. And they'd get, um, they got addicted by getting prescribed opioids when they didn't need them through the pharmaceuticals pushing. And then that grew out of control and there was all sorts of scandals and that sort of thing surrounding it for instance there was a town that there was more opioid prediction um opioid um prescriptions issued to that town than there were people that lived there so what was happening is people were getting uh, prescriptions because they were addicted to it so that way they could continue taking it and they would do that through illegal means like getting prescriptions sent to people who didn't even exist so i guess that's pretty much the um a joint uh, a, a light overview of the opioid crisis. It's a much bigger issue than I think gets re- it gets represented as. It's a huge deal. But yeah, that was all brought about by pharmacy pharmacies getting people addicted. In fact, and, so, and if you consider pharmacy uh, uh, addictions a disease, then essentially they were creating sick people so they could sell them drugs. Right. So yeah, I guess that would be a good time to go on break with that <laughs> note. Yeah, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we're back from the break. So uh, you were going to tell us a few more things, right? Yeah. So I believe there's quite a few other reasons for um, why you should hate the pharmacy if you didn't already. <laughs> so besides addicting people and selling them tons of stuff and then try and get them on the plans where they purchase things repetitively and then jacking up the prices and then lobbying and then selling, doing bad commercials. What else? Well, I found that um, another reason for why it is that is a, uh, where, where, sorry, hang on a second. Got that pizza pizza on your mind? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So with the insurance companies, they, no, wait, I already did that, didn't I? <laughs> Sorry, I'm I make gotta make this hard on you and edit her, uh, aren't I? Uh, that's all right. That's all right. For for those of you who don't know, we go from being really silly and goofy in the in the break to being <laughs> almost instantly serious when we start back up. So it, it's sometimes hard to keep track of where you're at. <laughs> 
Uh, let me see what I got left in my notes, because I'm sure I have things that I want to talk about. Mm. Oh, here's something I found pretty interesting. So, uh, Chinese companies can produce generic versions of branded drugs for a fraction of the price. <clears throat> Are we getting a lot of our drugs from China? It can't Why? be, right? No, it can't be. Maybe name brand stuff? Damn. I what was I going to... <laughs> Do you remember what I was going to... Uh, I told you... <laughs> <laughs> what was it? I honestly completely forgot. Ah. My my mind is on pizza. <laughs> but you know, that's all right. That's all right. So I think the bottom line is is that you can't trust pharmaceutical companies, right? They're they're in it for the money. They're in it for sustainability, I would assume, because they just keep rebranding the same drug over and over to you. Right. Well, they're clearly in it for the for the money and they they clearly don't care what they're going what costs it has is going to have in other places they'll right yeah they, they deliberately jack the prices up they root out the entire need for competition they, they they don't even compete with each other because they can charge whatever they want so like you go in and you're going to get a uh, prescription from you get a prescription from the doctor you go into the pharmacy and then you figure out what it's going you're going to pay for it because you don't know exact the doctor's not going to tell you what the the price of the prescription is at the pharmacy because he doesn't know. He might be able to tell you, oh, well, it's about, you know, this amount. You're not going to actually see the price till you walk in the door and you say, this is my prescription. And they say, okay, here you go. This is how much it's going to be. Or they'll charge the, um, the, um, uh, oh, that's the, right. The insurance company. That's Another thing that they do is they work with the insurance companies. I believe the insurance companies have a huge part to play in this. They, they, um, I would assume so, yes. Right. So you've heard about the charge master that they have at um, hospitals, it's the amount the, that they charge people for certain procedures. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. It's an inflated thing. And the reason – one of the things that they do with that is they give insurance companies a discount. So um, the same thing kind of happens with insurance companies at a pharmacy. Um, the pharmacies will work with the insurance companies to try and get you uh, to sign up for the – <laughs> for the insurance and if you get the insurance well then you get a discount at the pharmacy but you end up paying more in the long run because you're paying the insurance company so the insurance company is engaged with the um the pharmaceutical company to <laughs> and they go hand in hand all three of them mm-hmm. so it's like this the reason why healthcare costs so much is because you got the doctors they've got to cover themselves because they don't want to get sued so they're they try and give you Everything they can possibly think of, they'll try and treat everything because if they if they aren't in completely thorough and do everything possible, you know, run every test, they don't follow everything to the end, and it turns out to be you're the one out of the 500 patients that they you show the symptoms for this extremely rare disease, and you're that one person who has it, and they don't run the tests on everybody for it, and you're the one that ends up dying from it. Well, then they get sued for not following, you know, every lead, even though it's not actually that much of a stretch. So they're afraid of being sued. So they're issuing as many drug prescriptions as they, yeah, they, they've got to cover themselves. So they issue as everything that they think could help you. So you're getting as many prescriptions. They're, they're going to overprescribe you than underprescribe you. Mm-hmm. And they're less likely to be sued that way. So they overprescribe you there. Then the insurance company gets you pain in the way that you don't see the price up front. 
then the and then the pharmaceuticals <laughs> they're on the end providing this jacked up price that you don't even see until you've already gotten signed up for it so mm. it's this wonderful three-way thing where it's this wonderful <laughs> it's, uh it's a mess that's that's the price there I think another thing about insurance is um, people – this is one of the, the major fallbacks with insurance, um, and it, it, it became readily apparent to people when insurance first started – was invented. The first time that insurance, I think, became widespread was on shipping back in the days of wooden ships. Um, they, they would insure their um, – big companies would insure their, their ships, so that way if they lost – merchandise the the individual um the individual merchants would be reimbursed for the merchandise they had upon the ship so the shipping companies that had the captains and not the captains people above the captains people who ran the company that had to own the ships would buy insurance and they wouldn't care if they were putting their ships into a more precarious situations so they would send their captains and tell them to do uh, to take ship trips and they tell them to take um paths that weren't as safe as they would if they were the ones that were actually bearing the uh, liability mm-hmm. they weren't it was the insurance company so as a result more ships ended up sinking because but overall it was good economically because companies weren't going broke over losing single ships but what you were <laughs> you were having is more ships sinking so more people were dying but economically, it turned out better. So that's the downfall of insurance there. And the same thing has continued on everything that's insured. There's the issue of people are more likely to take risks that they wouldn't otherwise, which is a bad thing because a lot of people will take risks with their health um, because they're insured. So the same thing happens there. Um, people will be more likely to get onto prescriptions and that sort of thing because it's already covered and if anything goes wrong well they're still covered and they can go to the hospital they can get to doctors they can all of these things and they don't really think long term about the risk of them actually destroying their health in the long term because they have their doctors it's like the same thing with i don't know smoking i suppose if you had to pay for your own health insurance you're if you had to consider your own risk of your own health and you didn't have health insurance, do you think more people would see the financial difficulty that smoking would bring about, right? Especially if it was not just you, but it was you and your family and they were going, wait a minute, this is going to end up costing you tons of money. Why don't you if, – if it was more of a thing with multiple people looking at the same thing and judging the liability and if they didn't have the insurance – well, then they'd be less likely to get involved with the, the risky behavior. So, yeah, Whew, that was a long-winded, convoluted thing about insurance. Maybe. <laughs> and that brings me to my final point. I believe Americans are overall unhealthy. They don't take care of their health. I mean, is that is that <laughs> a surprise to anyone? Americans are not known for being no. healthy, fit people. I think America is the second most obese country in the world, and the other one is a um, a southeast uh, nation in the uh, Pacific somewhere. But it's it's people in America don't exact are not the most healthy. <laughs> the the food is known to be fairly unhealthy in America, as opposed to other countries. If you go to Europe, the food there is generally not as fattening. You're not going to find a triple hamburger 
<laughs> cheeseburger in London, right? Right. I don't. I don't think people go out for fast food as often as Americans go out for fast food. Yeah. And you think, think about it, like they go out maybe even more than the three recommended meals a day, right? You got your lunch, uh, your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. I, I know people who go out like four or five times for fast food in a single day. Yeah. And it's ridiculously unhealthy. And then there's the massive amount of sugar that is in American food. I, there's not near as much sugar in the, the Orient or in, you know, the... The Mediterranean. I don't know about England. I think that they have a little bit of a sugar thing going on there uh, with their tea. <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure that even the Eastern Europe, maybe not so much Western Europe, the sugar is almost unheard of. Not unheard of, but it's something that you rarely use. It's You don't find as many sugary foods. You go to a bakery in Europe, you're probably more likely going to find breads and that sort of thing. You go to a bakery in America, you're going to find brownies and cakes. So Americans start out unhealthy. They <laughs> generally exercise less than most other countries. Overall, Americans are more unhealthy, which makes it the perfect opportunity to sell people pills for all the issues that they have. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about how many lose weight pills are on the American market. Do you think you could sell that anywhere else? Oh, no. Okay. Um, all the, I think America leads the world in diabetes uh, patients, right? Uh, I would assume so. Well, well assumption there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know that one. Yeah. But yeah, so that in itself is perpetuated by, I'd say, other unscrupulous industries that we have in America, <laughs> which leads us back to our previous long ago episode <laughs> of big tech, not big tech, big, big uh, business in America. All right. I think we named it Big Brother or something. Yeah. But yeah, that's where. So, yeah, we, we create problems and we treat it with pills. <laughs> so, yeah. So let's and I suppose that's could actually be slightly similar to the holistic doctor um, approach. It, not saying that, you know, like I was saying, you find a wide variety of holistic doctors. There's a lot of holistic doctors that will say, hmm, well, let me see. The treatment for this issue will not be pills, but it will be, hmm, this diet and exercise. Wait a minute. You want me to be healthy? So, yeah, holistic doctors don't really go with the whole take tons of pills from the pharmacy either, which if you're interested in why maybe Big Pharma wouldn't like that? We have a episode on that. <laughs> yes, it should be the previous episode. But let's get into some of the conspiracy theories behind Big Pharma. Yeah, I mean, nothing that we've really talked about so far is conspiracy. It's all well-known and out in the public domain. Oh, yeah. A lot of these facts, you can get them just like I did. You can get them very easily off the Internet. Uh <clears throat> But so one of the conspiracy theories is that big pharma is hiding a cure for, let's say, I don't know, AIDS or cancer. I, yeah. I think cancer is a big one. Now, to have a cure for something like cancer, I think would be too big to hide even for the pharmaceutical industry. Mm -hmm. There's so many people that you have to pay off. And I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, uh, viable to do it. Well, I think it kind of is. Right. I don't. Yeah, I don't believe it's quite as radical as that. Uh, as and, you know, the I'm assuming that conspiracy that you're talking about. But what I think it is that there's alternative methods to the expensive um, treatments that they use for cancer now, um, like chemotherapy and radiation treatment. 
is not is not cheap. Now, I believe that there might be other methods that maybe don't work as well, but are way cheaper. Now, would you pay? So you've got cancer. It could be terminal, right? Are you going to pay the extra twenty thousand dollars for a better treatment over a not so good treatment, right? Of course, people are going to pay more for a better treatment, especially when their life depends on it. But let's say that there's these other treatments that are not as well respected because they don't work as well. I believe that there could be those out there that, you know, with a little bit of work and a lot of um, more exploration into the topic of these possible alternatives to um, I believe it was Steve Jobs who died from cancer and he took. I forget what was the alternative medicine that he used um, to cancer treatment. But, you know, there's other treatments out there besides the more radical ones. Do they work as well? No. Could they work better than they're currently working? Most definitely. So I believe that the maybe, maybe, here's the theory, that these other alternative methods are not being investigated or not getting funding or not getting as much showing from the pharmaceutical industries because selling them is not as profitable. So I could see how that's possible. Now, I don't think a full-blown cure worth like, yeah, you just inject this little thingy right <laughs> here and then all the chemical but cells straighten out their DNA and then they start working function. How, uh, how do you know that, Conrad? How can you possibly know that? Know what? That there isn't a cure. I don't. But, I, <laughs> but as you were saying, um, you see it would be harder to imagine there is a full-blown cure that you have to pay off and there would be a lot of people to cover. It would right. be a whole lot easier to do the other method where it's like, well, yeah, that method doesn't work as well. Don't – don't, no, no, no. You don't want to look at that. And then I could see how groupthink could play into that where people are like, oh, no, that's a bad method. Don't even consider it. And a lot of, um, a lot of good-meaning researchers and that sort of people would go, yeah – no way would I ever look at this less useful form of cancer treatment. I want to work on this other one that's much more um, available, much more um, not available, but Com- uh, commonly accepted. Yeah. So the, the I see how the mainstream ones, because you, you see group think takes a huge part in human psyche. If everyone is ignoring this one because it just doesn't work as well and everybody knows it doesn't work as well and that's why no one paid attention to it, that's not as corrupt as don't pay attention to this one. It works too good, you know? So what is another conspiracy theory? I think that um, one of the ones that I ran across is the American um, life expectancy is dropping. It used to be um, way back in the day around you know the 1940s. It was projected to be around 70 years or so. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of businesses that set up pensions. And the way that a pension works is you pay into it. And then after a few years, after you retire, they start paying the money back to you uh, until you die. But the thing is, people's life expectancy in the 70s and in, in the 40s, born in the 40s or whatever, those people are still alive today. Those people are still would still be collecting those pensions. And a lot of companies went bankrupt paying these pensions because they based life expectancy on 70. But it turned out that people were living to 90 or more. Well, okay, very rarely do people make it to 100. But, you know, a lot of making it to 80 is not at all um, 
a stretch these days, right? So companies paying pensions went broke and you don't, you rarely see a company offer pensions these days anymore. And the reason for that is it's just too expensive to pay long living people a pension. There's only one group out there that pays a pension. Do you know what group that is? Well, not, not one group, but there's only, there's one big pension that has not has remained mostly unchanged. I don't know the entity. Social security. <laughs> it's, it's essentially a pension. You pay it in on your um, income tax. You can find that easily on your W-2 box four. That's the amount that you pay <laughs> pay in yearly. And then when you retire, you start collecting your social security check. Now, the longer that you live, the more money you collect in social security. So who benefits from you dying the day that you retire? Who benefits? Mm-hmm. The government? Social security. Isn't it a part of the government? So, yes, it is. So I was agreeing with you, but yeah. <laughs> so here's the theory is that the government doesn't really want an elderly population sitting around drawing social security checks. So why not use um, things like Medicare and all these other groups to suck that money back out of the, the, um, the elderly population through pills and that sort of thing, pay it into the um, uh, pharmaceutical companies, which then pay 40% taxes on all their profits and then try and, and use those drugs to reduce the life expectancy of these uh, retirees. So, if you if you look at the uh, if you look at the graph of the U.S. population chart, life expectancy it it used to be um, much. It used to be, I believe, in the ninety. No, I never made it to the nineties. Um, but yeah, it's flattening out. It's much lower than other countries that don't have this uh, massive pharmaceutical company. For instance, we are about five years behind the UK. Really? Mm-hmm. So why would there be such a massive difference in the country that you would expect to have the largest health, health, well, not health, uh, life expectancy? You, you know, you as an American, you always hear, ah, America's the greatest country in the world, right? Yeah, the, the land of opportunity. So why is it that they would have in this wonderful country a much <laughs> lower life expectancy? And then the um, – now, well, it's not like the straight-up life expectancy. It's like the – because life expectancy is a weird thing to graph because if you graph everybody, well, then you get the people who die in their 20s doing stupid stuff. <laughs> so if you're looking at people who die of natural causes, the cap – that like you'll if you look at the, the age at which people die, you'll see that it's it's very different in the uh, the deviate not the deviation but the the mean average at which people who die of natural causes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not straight life expectancy, but it's much lower in the United States than the United Kingdom, and part of that is due to the fact that we're over medicated and we're unhealthy. So overfed, overfed, over medicated under-exercised, and over-couch potatoed. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being a couch potato every so, once in a while. So the theory is the Social Security, which is now insolvent and is having massive economic issues and is now having trouble paying people back the principal, even, that they paid into it, is trying to off some of those liabilities. I wonder what they need the money for, though. Uh, all, all these corporations, the government, why do they need all this money? Well, 
Uh, I would, I don't know. Uh, I hadn't I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, you know, and, and it's probably my favorite theory out of all of them. It is the CIA actually controls the drug trade and wants the population controlled through MK Ultra. Wait a Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's all coming together. Oh my gosh. So they created a mind control drug and now they're slipping it into all of our prescriptions. Well, think about it. Most prescriptions have what? Maybe uh, as little as 10 side effects to it, if not more. And a lot of them, you're just kind of, uh, you're kind of out of it. A lot of them are like, it alters your mind, the way you think, the way you mm-hmm. want to do things. Um, even the uh, so-called antidepressant pills can make oh, you yeah. very depressant. So Depressed. Or depressed. Um, and not only that, they can practically make you crazy. In a, in a town in Fredericksburg, a little Texas town in Fredericksburg, there's a quite a few well-known crazy people. They're, they're not violent. They're just a little peculiar. And, you know, the town knows them as um, just a, a overall friendly people, but they're not there anymore. They used to be um, very intelligent people, some of them. Some of them were nurses. What happened? They went on antidepressants and it totally destroyed their mind. So it definitely does affect your psyche. I mean, it's supposed to. So did the, so, so this theory, did NK Ultra ever actually end? Is it still in the experimentation stage or have they moved on to the control stage? Well, this is pretty well. Okay, the theory goes is that the uh, the program went on uh, under the pharmaceutical industry for controlling uh, the population, uh, not only to obviously control them, but to reduce the population as well. Okay, so population control in the side uh, in the sense of uh, animal control. <clears throat> yeah, Test much. varmint control <laughs> as opposed to um, mind control as in robots, <laughs> human robots. That you well, well see, it's a, it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. Okay. Of course. I mean, if you can have both, why wouldn't you have both? More control is always better, right? Mm-hmm, of course. And what's easy to control? Small numbers as opposed to large numbers. <laughs> Yep, that's very true. But it is actually one of my favorite tie-ins. Yeah, for sure. I think. So the, this, um, do you think that, in your own opinion, that this plan is like just getting started, and you're going to see like huge disease outbreaks, maybe, which a magical cure comes along that has terrible side effects, but it cures plagues? Uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> I was actually reading about how the uh, f- uh, pharmaceutical industry will actually is uh, projected to gain profit, a lot of profit during the coronavirus outbreak. And I mean, that's not a surprise to me. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I think that's probably now, obviously there's, there's no way to uh, tell you for sure. Like, Oh, this is, this is definitely the CIA's doing. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's my favorite opinion so far that I've read online. So do you want to know another crazy theory that I bumped into? And I just, kind of forgot till this moment now <laughs> this one i i believe has some underlying self um self bias not my bias but the person who came up with it and uh see if you can guess what their bias is okay it goes like this the government is trying to get rid of um certain well um uh, natural drugs that it that it bases in plants that can be grown in your own backyard 
that have medical cures for quite a many diseases like depression and sleep disorders and all these many uh, and pains. So you can get rid of pains naturally. You can get rid of sleep issues and you can get rid of um, uh, eating disorders. Uh, these are the three uh, most addictive drugs that the uh, pharmaceutical companies issue. And you can have this non-addictive natural grown plant in your backyard that you can grow. And they made this plant illegal through their lobbying so you can't get it and you have to buy their expensive pills as opposed to growing this magical plant at home. <laughs> you want to guess what this magical plant is? I was actually going to talk about marijuana. <laughs> So, uh, with any any um, theory that has to do with um, the pharmacies don't want marijuana to be legal because if it was, then they would lose a lot of revenue because people would be self-medicating at home and they wouldn't need their... Uh, They're after you, Conrad. <laughs> as soon I, I, as you started talking about marijuana, <laughs> I heard the sirens. Uh, Quickly, he's on to us, get him. <laughs> If I okay. hear if I hear a door busted out of its hinges <laughs> in the background, <laughs> I uh, uh, I guess I'll continue it on my own. Oh, uh, don't worry, it's not a door that they'd have to bust through. Hmm, there's more of them this time. Wow, wow! Who'd you hit up today, Connor? <laughs> Must be all those lobbyists. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, the, uh, big pharma is definitely going to lose a lot of money if marijuana is legalized in every state. So. Yeah, the, the idea. But here's but, the thing, though. Here's the thing. Here's something that I actually found out yesterday about Big Pharma and marijuana. They actually are uh, already in the process of making a synthetic marijuana. Why would you want that? Because they can control it better. And it'll still give you side effects. That's why. Who would buy that as opposed to using the stuff that they could make at home or buy from a local dealer or whatever? People who are constantly going to the doctors, that's you, Conrad. Not oh, because then the doctors will start prescribing <laughs> yeah, these pills, yeah. and they won't be like, okay, so they won't be like, yeah, don't smoke your grass at home. See, because if you can make a synthetic marijuana and you can get the doctors to peddle it to the patients, then it would still go through the pharmacy and they can still bank. And they can still get their, um, their patents on it, and then they can still... Okay, yeah, okay. And then the, they've got their regular... Oh, boy. So the future's not looking too great, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what, what was that? Was that a baby? No, that was me rubbing my <laughs> finger along the top of the safe here. That's why they're after you. Yeah, you know, gotta make sure I get my fingerprints off of this safe. <laughs> Cleaning up, that's all. <laughs> anyway, um, so the, the issue I have with all the marijuana theories is I can't really separate people's bias from you know their actual beliefs because there's a lot of people who come up with these theories that uh let's just face it they just want <laughs> to smoke weed <laughs> um, absolutely but and then there's other people that i that that actually mean it and dividing the two is pretty hard it it is a very thin line <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, because, because there are the, the ones that openly admit to wanting both <laughs> that, that do do both. They believe that, you know, and I think that there is probably some truth to that because I don't looking at all the side effects of medicines and all that sort of thing. I think that 
um, probably marijuana is in, is in some cases safer than like opioids. Um, well, I hope it would be safer. Yeah, I don't actually know much about the side effects of smoking weed. Is it as bad for you as smoking tobacco? Lung cancer wise. Uh, no, but I mean, you're still putting smoke in your lungs, so. Oh uh, yeah, so. I suppose that's one one angle the pharmaceuticals can go at it. Take this pill. It's just the same as everything else, except you don't have to uh, smoke it. But wait, then there's edibles. Yep, there's edibles. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do that because then they're going to be con- – because here's the thing. If marijuana becomes legal, the food industry is going to start selling edibles. How is the pharmaceutical company going to be able to sell pills when they're competing with somebody who's selling brownies? <laughs> I I really think that they're up against a wall there because it's America and somebody's going to be selling brownies. It might come to <laughs> your to your local favorite grocery store as well. Yeah, very, very <laughs> much so, especially in a place around uh, Lukenbach, Texas. I've I've always wanted to go to Lukenbach. I've I've been through Lukenbach. I I don't see what the appeal is. There's just wineries everywhere. Just nothing but endless wineries. And you go, wait, what is there here for people who don't drink that much? <laughs> well, there's a uh, there's a bar that has a, a live performance thing going on every, I think it's every weekend. And the uh, the saying is, everybody's somebody in Lukenbach. Uh, so, so you got a lot of musicians going there and playing. Yeah, the funny thing is, having seen a ton of Lukenbach shirts... <laughs> um, maybe we should save this for the, for the off the podcast, but yeah, if if marijuana became legal, Lukenbach would definitely transform into the medical center of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, do you think that marijuana might be the the thing that they're fighting the hardest against, and all the politicians are on the payroll of big pharma fighting marijuana? Uh, I think so. There, I know there was an article that came out. I should have saved it. But the the pharmaceutical industry actually paid, I want to say, a couple million dollars to to fight against legalizing marijuana uh, throughout throughout the U.S. Um, it's it's really interesting when you figure out which politicians are on whose payroll. <laughs> you know, because most of the time politicians will say you know nothing at all about certain things, or they'll be. You know, very much for like, – take for instance uh, – what, what was his name? I think it was Pete Buttigieg. No, no. What? No, Joe Biden himself. You can find um, uh, clips of Joe Biden arguing for Medicare for all. Um, but then after um, he started running against Bernie, he's adamantly opposed to it. Anyway, so the theory goes is that uh, Medicare for all is going to destroy Big Pharma. Now, I don't think so since Big Pharma controls no, I don't uh, think so either. Social Security. If they control Social Security, if it's Medicare for all, well, then, boy, they've then that means that the entire medical <laughs> thing is even more under the control of the government and then – I don't know. I, I could see that one. E- either way, there's always room for corruption. So <laughs> if you think you're going to get rid of corruption by making everything government owned, I've got a bridge. Uh, a, what is it? I've got oceanfront property in Arizona I'm f- that's for sale. <laughs> oh, do you? It must be really lovely during the summer. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, always uh, f- whole shells being washed up on the shore that you can collect and uh starfish it's really amazing (laughs) i go there all the time (laughs) so yeah Uh, but it's interesting to see politicians flip on something 
And I think the, the thing is like, if something's obscure and not at all, um, they, they think, Oh, that'll never happen. Like probably if you look 10 years back, uh, during the Bush administration, uh, okay. Bush was more than 10 years ago. If you went back to the Bush administration, the Clinton administration, the idea of legalizing marijuana is probably like this far out thing that nobody ever thought would happen. Right. During the, the war on drugs and all that. Um, so the idea of finding politicians back then who would obviously who really have tons of clips saying, I would never legalize marijuana. Uh, no, 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 not. I never. They say we should legalize marijuana. It's the right thing to do. It's not a it's not a evil stuff. It's it's really good for you. I would legalize marijuana if I you know had the power and all that sort of thing. And they're railing for this thing that they know will never pass. It'd be interesting. It'll be interesting to see which one of them flip as soon as marijuana becomes this thing where it's like, now we actually have the support of the country and all that sort of thing. We might be able to legalize legalize marijuana. And the people will all of a sudden do a 180 and be like, no, we can't do that. <laughs> that's when you know a politician's on payroll. Yeah. Oh, man. So w- would that be Joe Biden just being a politician or would that be Joe Biden just being Sleepy Joe? It could be either. <laughs> it, I don't even know if he knows what Medicare for All is. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> the, Did you see the clip of Donald Trump talking about Joe's te- uh, tweet at him? I, I did not. I, I gave up politics as soon as I started my diet because oh. I, I wanted to have a clear mind without all the ridiculous uh, politicians. So Joe Biden said something mean about Donald Trump on Twitter, I think it was. And then a reporter asked Donald Trump about what he thought about the tweet. And then Donald Trump says, well, Joe didn't write that first off. Somebody else wrote that for him. And second thing, if he's watching this, which he's not watching this because he's not at all you know, checked in. But if he is watching this, he doesn't even know what he's watching. <laughs> and then, like, by the time he got through with all the little bit prerequisites to attacking Joe, I was uh-huh. like, wow, that was the most, <laughs> how did, oh, you know that he's been at that for a while. If he can just come up with that many insults and back to back attack right off of <laughs> Just right off the top of his head. It just sounds like normal Trump, though. I mean, he he, bashes, he bashes the media all the time. Yeah. It's, it's I don't know. I, I bet he was born doing that. Just like that's the <laughs> first thing the doctor's like, yeah, it's a boy. And he's like, you, well, uh, of course it is. I bet you're not or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> You know, I think uh, my fa- my favorite comeback for an argument against the media and Trump was like uh, a guy asked him what the uh, what he thought about the governors uh, taking back or or wanting to reopen the country, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, what what do you think about the governors getting together by themselves and thinking coming up with a, a strategy to reopen the the uh, the states and the economy? And he's like, well, the thing you want to talk about is the ventilators. No one ever talks about the ventilators. You know, when they asked me for ventilators, I gave them ventilators. No one talks about that, but I gave it to them right off uh-huh. the bat. You media, but you people, yes. I, so I said, it, you people, you know what? Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's I think that's my favorite Trump uh, huh. little brief, little briefing just because you know he you can tell he he doesn't care absolutely one bit about anybody yeah he's uh, I I don't know carnivore is the only word I can think of I uh, I kind of feel bad for Mike Pence 
Um, uh, I, I mean, you, you got this very, you got this very serious politician. Oh no, I wouldn't say very serious, but you got a pretty good politician over here. And if a he very ever, conventional politician, yeah, yeah. And if you, and if he ever has aspirations to like become the president later on, like Joe Biden wants to do now, people are gonna look back and think Mike Pence. Well, he was the VP for Trump. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't think he's stands a chance running as president in 2024. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I would love to see him in the race, but I just don't think I don't think because of the association. Yeah, I think it'll just I think it'll backfire. No, people are going to look at him and be like, wait a minute. This mild mannered man is no successor to Trump. How on earth did he ever become a VP? I can understand why I never heard of you before. <laughs> <laughs> but could you imagine if Donald Trump had a had a VP who was a firebrand like he was? Oh my god! If there was two of them, <laughs> I uh, I I probably give up. The, the, uh, it would turn into a competition, you know. It kind of <laughs> already is like that with um, when Arnold Schwarzenegger took over The Apprentice, like right when Trump became president. <laughs> And there were tweets going back and forth against uh, <laughs> the former governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then Donald Trump saying, you know what? Why don't you concentrate on the country and I'll concentrate on the TV show, Mr. President? Because uh, Donald Trump kept saying, you know, the ratings are terrible ever since, um, what's his name? Arnold Schwarzenegger took over. <laughs> <laughs> and so Arnold Schwarzenegger's response was, you know what? Why don't you let me be the president and you can come back and take care of your TV show? How about that? I, I think if he had a VP that was just as bad as he was, I think it'd be exactly the same. Do you think that they'd be back and forth at each other? I don't know, because he wouldn't stay long. Like, can you switch VP in the middle of a presidency? <laughs> Has that ever happened? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know about the legality of that. <laughs> because if you look back in the previous history of the country, the VP was picked through whoever was voted uh, second. You would vote twice on your um, ballot back in the day. And you would pick two people that you wanted most for president and you would count up the amount of people who um, were voted and the person who was number one was president and the person who was number two was vice president. I don't know how long they kept that about, but the vice president used to be an elected official, but now he's really? not. Yeah. They should, they should go back to that. I kind of like that idea. I love that idea. I don't know why they really changed. I mean, if you think, uh, if you look at the the early uh, people who were running the president, like um, John Adams, vice president, was um, Jefferson. Uh, Jefferson, what was his first name? Uh, uh, you got me. <laughs> Long Tom, that was his nickname. Uh, third president of the United States of America, Jefferson. Uh, I- I'm looking it up. Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> See, so, I, I was thinking Thomas, but I was like, oh, I don't know. So, um, so John Adams, vice president, was uh, Thomas Jefferson. They were about as divided politically as you could get. They were not as, at the time. At the time, they were about <laughs> divided as you could get politically in America. And, like, they they believed in a whole lot of the same things. I mean, they went to the revolution together. So wait, could you can can you elect a Republican president? With a Democratic VP? That's what would happen. Um, and it, I kind of miss that. That was a, a, a good thing, I think. But I think it changed because 
with the invention of parties because that's when they start have they when they start having primaries. I think that that kind of went away, and that's why they changed it. I think. I think they should bring that back. Yeah, there was no the. Because, you know, they don't like third parties because third parties, they say, well, this person's a spoiler candidate. Uh, so, oh, well. And if you, if you did it that way when there's only two people running, well, then it just becomes whoever is elected, uh, nominated by the two parties, then whoever is not elected becomes vice president, you know? So I, I, th- I, I think com- it only worked before there was uh, nominations and there was – Everybody ran in the general. But then the issue with that, uh, I mean, there was issues with it, but somebody needs to work it out so that uh, multiple voting, that's what would that's what would fix it. If you had third parties and you could vote multiple people, you could pick, then there would be no spoiler candidate, right? Right. Just rank everyone. Who do you you think uh, Biden's VP would be? uh, I don't know who it's going to be, but the person that he's going to pick for his running mate, he said, is going to be female. That's the only thing we know about his VP. Really? Female? Yeah. So we know it's not going to be Bernie Sanders. Um, (laughs) It's probably going to be either uh, Amy Klobuchar or somebody else who was not running as a uh, other person presidential candidate he's not going to pick warren and he's not going to pick oh <laughs> william Merritt marion marion he's not picking her uh so <laughs> it's not going to be <laughs> any of the other um people who are running for president unless it's probably like amy klobuchar so do you think this was bernie sanders last attempt at becoming president it is yeah i but the hey i've been wrong before but yeah i think <laughs> i don't think it's going to be he's going to be back in four years because he's he's already pushing the age right yeah i mean if he runs again in four years <laughs> man that fellow he's just um he, he at a certain point you start to wonder about some people like um did i tell you about the time that um theodore roosevelt ran for a third term uh, no so he ran for a third term he yeah he he stopped after his second term and then a few years later, he decided he was going to run for president again because he didn't like anyone who was running. And he's like, all right, I'm back. You guys can't do this right. I'm going to show you how to do it. So he started the Bull Moose Party and he ran um, third party. And while he right before he was giving a speech um, and went to give a speech, somebody shot him. Oh, geez. And they shot him in the breast pocket. And that's where he was keeping his speech, where he had it all written out and along with his glasses. So a bullet went through his glasses, through his uh, uh, written speech, through uh, – and it, it hit him in the in the ribs. And it didn't get into his lungs, but it did it, – he was shot. He was wounded. He was bleeding. So what he did is he coughed really hard and he made sure that there was no blood. He wasn't coughing up any blood. And he's like, okay, well, I, I should survive this. And then he walked up and he gave his speech. Damn. That 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 sounds like Theodore Roosevelt, though. <laughs> and he's talked for two hours having been shot and not being treated medically. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went and got the bullet removed. And he lived. Wow. He didn't win, but gosh, I would have voted for him. <laughs> I would have too. That's incredible. <laughs> you could either vote for a regular human being or you could vote for a machine of a man. 
I definitely would have voted for Roosevelt, but uh, you know what? I think we got very off topic here. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, were talking I guess, about, I guess, we were talking about the marijuana in politics and how that's going to affect big pharma. So one thing to look for is which ones flop, flip-flop on marijuana, and then you'll know which ones are on the payroll of the all those donors and the uh, uh, lobbyists and that sort of thing. So I think the last theory I have is that Big Pharma is connected to the New World Order. Like the World Health Organization? Yeah, I suppose who. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) That that was pretty good for on the spot. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's a, it's a, actually a pretty popular theory i didn't think there'd be a lot of people talking about it but there is and so the the theory with the new world order if you don't know is they want a one world currency a one world government and uh, so now there's going to be a one world health organization yes like who but uh something with more power than who right because at the current moment uh i think what every every country is kind of uh, uh what's it called giving giving money to uh, the organization and w- without that funding i don't see who with a lot of authority right unless they were to get their funding from somebody who had tons of money like i don't know the pharmacy the big pharma so if big pharma were to like suddenly turn into or even take over the uh, world horse uh, health organization. I can't say that word right at once, but um, it would be pretty devastating. Yeah. If if you took what we said about <laughs> U.S. health organization and you applied that globally, it would be, I think, catastrophic. I think there would definitely be a, a huge drop in population. Yeah, that's um, not only that, but I could see how that would be a very beneficial thing for the uh, the pharmacies to do. Because what they would be doing is they would be propping up the World Health Organization, which would then be presenting all the rules and regulations that medical companies had to, would have to follow. If they could get all the doctors to like – in order to be a legally practicing doctor, you had to meet their criteria, right? And they were the ones setting the criteria for doctors across the nation. And then they were pumping out doctors, which then supported the pharmacies, which then in turn would support the people who – are creating these doctors that support them, it turned into this circle of perpetuation, which uh, certain groups would make tons of money off of. And other groups, in return for giving other groups tons of money, would get tons of power, tons of control, and then they would be able to implement their agendas. And then, of course, they would get their their share of the money from the the health organization, uh, (laughs) uh, from the... Why is it slipping my mind? This cartel of drug pharmacies. So with the the group, huh? Yeah, they could definitely make a, a killing there. Is is that pun intended? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah it 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 would not be a good thing. And one thing I would like to before we end the podcast, I would like you to understand one thing. I'm not saying pharmaceuticals in in like a general understanding of it is a bad thing. I'm not telling you to like protest against it. Obviously, there are some drugs that we need. Uh, some of it is beneficial. I'm I'm just I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> there's uh there's there's some good out of it, but there's a lot of bad. I guess is what. I'm saying so it's not like (laughs) yeah it's not like we're 
saying tear down the medical institutions and don't oh, take yeah, your yeah. medicine. Yeah. And medicine in a lot of ways I, – I just saw this video earlier today where there was this guy who um, – he he went insane because he wasn't taking his um, medication and he got shot by the police because he was threatening people. I mean I'm not at all for that kind of a fella to stop taking his medicine. If you stop taking your medicine right, and right. you start going crazy, no. No, no, no. But then at the same time, it would be best if you didn't have to take medication in the first place. It would be better to find a cure. Right. And and the way to the real way to go about it is you have to consult your doctor before going off a of medication. Uh, but generally, the the good rule of thumb there is get more than one opinion. Mm-hmm. And then also, if you're not on medication, take care of your health. And and not ever need medication to start because the last thing you want to do is start becoming dependent on the pharmaceutical industry. That's probably one of the last things in anyone's mind of what they need. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think the uh, the food organization is uh, in league with the drug? I don't company? think so. I no, think, you, you don't. You don't think that? I think that they may have a few tentative agreements, but I think I think that if something was to come out like um, there was the pill marijuana and then there was the brownie marijuana, I could see them becoming mortal enemies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're right. So I think there might be some truth. Um, truces, not like truth as in real, but like right, right, right. Tr- treaties. I think there might be some treaties between the two. But I, mean, I don't think the that more... there's like a, a formal agreement between the two. And I think that they could totally break down and be at each other's throat in a heartbeat. I think so too. I, uh, but I also think that, I don't know, the more McDonald's you scruff down <laughs> and your body breaks apart, the, the more pharmaceuticals you need so that yeah. they can keep going back to McDonald's and then in turn keep going back to pharmaceuticals. Yeah. <laughs> And I think the one thing that you don't see – so I, maybe this is evidence for there not being a joint relationship between the two. But here's – everybody knows that the food industry – there's a lot of things in the food industry that are unhealthy for you. If the food industry gets a hold and starts working in partnership with the pharmaceuticals, I would imagine that the pharmaceutical companies would start saying that the food companies were healthy when they're not. So you would start seeing more people saying, oh, massive amounts of sugar? No, (laughs) that's not bad for you. Corn syrup? That's not as bad for you as we once thought. But then again, we did actually cover that in our uh, previous one where we thought that there actually was at certain points people saying that corn syrup was good for you so hmm i just kind of self-defeated my argument (laughs) (laughs) maybe we should cover the food industry soon (laughs) is the food industry working together with the house industry i don't know i don't think so maybe back then they were but like right now the 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 health industry is calling the food industry unhealthy which is true so if they're calling them out for what they are now i don't think they have any current agreements but what about future agreement there's totally the future is a a blank slate where anything can be written on it those evil um conglomerations (laughs) of cartels can all get together in the future and make the world the nightmare they want it to be yeah yeah they can especially do that if it becomes a one world order 
Oh, I can just see the one world order. And we were talking about fast food. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's got to be a great commercial for them somewhere in there. <laughs> what is the whole world ordering? They're ordering a Mc whatever. This is the one world order. A blizzard frosty thingy, which McDonald's is serving. <laughs> this right here is your one world. Or, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, we laugh about it now, but in, when it happens... It'll be well, the by and large. Yeah, you remember uh, that, that... Did you see that um, Pixar film, Wally? Oh, of course. It's Disney. I've seen uh, it. <laughs> I was watching that. I was like, wait, how can they make something so dystopian and so true? The by and large thing. There, mu- there must have been a fight among the elites or something. <laughs> You know what? I kid you not. That's actually my favorite Disney movie. It, it's pretty good. Boy, it's depressing because it's so unrealistic. It's like, and this is a fairy tale and how we fix stuff. Right. That's the future and there's no fix in it by and large. <laughs> I mean, that is like the slogan of American unhealthy by <laughs> Uh, the people in Wally is pretty uh, much Americans. <laughs> oh. Have you, they look, uh, that that's certainly a jab at the people that you see using those electric carts in oh, Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at that and I said, that is uh, the uh, saddest so that is so true. fortune-telling so Mira in the world. That, like, one of my life goals, and it's not, it's not like one of my high life goals, but I never want to be that person in the electric wheelchair because I can't walk on my own two feet. Uh, wow. Well, I think you're the only person that I know consistently avoids fast food, so I don't think you'll ever be that person. Oh, could you imagine the nightmare of being a slave to the food industry? Oh. Uh, I can, yeah. You know what's amazing, though? The uh, the diet that I was talking that I'm on? Uh-huh. I, ha- I was on it for five days, and the sixth day, which was uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. I had a cheat day, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know what? It's my cheat day. I'm going to get McDonald's, and I'm going to get Popeye's, and I'm going to get Taco Cabana. <laughs> Uh-huh. So those are my three square meals for the day, right? Oh, no. And, you know, I, I woke up, I drank my coffee. It was probably about 9.30 when I was, you know, done. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go get a late breakfast. Uh, for most Americans, that would be an extremely early breakfast because it seems like no one wakes up beyond 10 o'clock. <laughs> but uh, I went to go get McDonald's breakfast and I came home and I ate it. And as soon as I was done with it, I was like, you know what? This tastes not at all like... I remember my taste buds telling me it tasted like. It tastes very fake, very unfresh. You know, the closest I've ever been to a McBreakfast, you said? Just just a breakfast from McDonald's. Uh, The closest I've ever been to one of those, this fella I was with, we were going out and cutting up trees, and he bought, he went to the McDonald's drive-thru. He said, did you want anything? I said, no. (laughs) And he got... (laughs) Two of those uh, biscuit thingies, and he had, and he was driving. I was in the passenger seat. He was having me put jelly on his <laughs> McDonald's thing, and I was looking at this, going, "Oh, gross! Ew, nasty!" I mean, the jelly was, you know, regular jelly, but holy cow, that biscuit! I've never seen such a greasy biscuit. And trust me, I've seen people who practically 
boil biscuits in butter instead of baking them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the most unhealthy. Like, as soon as I ate it, I got a headache almost instantly. Uh, my stomach started hurting. I was like, what? What is this? But because I was packing my body with so much protein and vitamins that it kind of like already started rejecting fast food. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing when your body's like, wait a minute, we're smarter than this. What are you doing, brain? It, it was not a pleasant experience. <laughs> What'd you do for lunch then? Uh, lunch, I had Popeye's. So I had the mild chicken tenders with a biscuit and Cajun fries. You can imagine how that went. You can probably take a wild guess. And- Here's the thing. I've never eaten at Popeye's, so I don't know what you're talking about. Except I- chicken tenders. About- I've had those. Um <laughs> What's a Cajun fry? Uh, f- fries with Cajun seasoning. Okay. Well, I guess that wouldn't be so bad, except the fact it's deep fried. Yeah. Um, did your I mean, tummy the, feel the, buttery? <laughs> I mean, the fries tasted great, but it was... Oh, I'm sure that you do. It, it, it was the after effect. <laughs> but, I mean... <clears throat> Uh, by that time, I, I was not feeling too great. Uh, but you know what? I went ahead throughout the day anyway. I, I ate a protein bar just to get a little bit of uh, actual protein and, and a little bit of some vitamins that come in it already. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to like not feel like I'm totally dying. And then I, for dinner, I got tacos. I got steak fajita tacos. Uh, it's all processed, you know? <laughs> well, it still doesn't sound as bad as fries. It was, it was definitely not as, I didn't feel as bad as I did with the McDonald's mm-hmm. and, and the, um, uh, the Popeyes. I know some people are like, well, it's chicken. It's healthy for you. Not battered deep fried chicken. No. <laughs> yeah, a breaded chicken isn't necessarily even bad for you uh, if you do the breading right uh, and you fry it. Uh, even deep fry isn't that bad if you um, use the right oils, but you know that they use the worst oils and the worst batter. Well, yeah, yeah. This is a, what, a multi-million dollar company chain restaurant. Of yeah. course, they're not going to use the, the good stuff. They're going to yeah. use the bad stuff that tastes really good. <laughs> So uh, I would say overall, my experience with uh, reconnecting with fast food just just wasn't wasn't great. Um, but here's the upside. Uh, since then, I have uh, I bought an air fryer, and now, those suppo- are pretty cool. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool. I have to say, they, they cook the food in half the time, and it, you don't use extra oil. You use the oil that's already on the food itself. You can brush <laughs> maybe a little bit of olive oil on there just so it'll you know crisp up a little bit better. But other than that, pretty much everything you make in an air fryer is going to be 10 times better for you Mm -hmm. than, uh, you know, your normal process with like frying, um, Mm -hmm. making fries, uh, making onion rings, chicken strips, that sort of thing. And I also found that the flavor uh, is better too. And not like, yeah, what what was I, I haven't, I don't have an air fryer, but I have had, uh, it was breaded vegetables of some kind. It wasn't zucchini. It it was a breaded sliced vegetable, some kind like bell pepper or something. And it was pretty good because if you were to deep fry that in grease, you would have the grease flavor blending with it. Right. And that dulls the flavor. Not quite so much this way. So maybe the flavor isn't doesn't taste better because grease apparently tastes good. I mean, <laughs> so I 
I I remember back in the day when I used to eat deep fried food. I liked the flavor of grease. Anyway. <laughs> you didn't or you did? I did. Oh, okay. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, everything that tastes great for you is terrible. But it, it, dulls the, um, it, it dulls the flavor in your mouth. Same thing happens when you eat bagged potato chips. Like the first few chips are the best, right? And that's because the grease gets in there and it like clogs up your taste buds or something. The best way to eat greasy food is with an acidic drink like grape juice to clear your palate. Yeah, you were telling me about grape juice the other day. Yeah. Well, it was around Passover, and for whatever reason, a bunch of people get into the grape juice mood around Passover. Hmm. I don't know if that happens at your house, but or mm, with your nope. family. <sighs> Nope, nope. I think, uh, I don't know what we had for, baguettes for Easter Sunday. Baguettes and grape juice go well together. <clears throat> and uh, I, I cannot deny it. Oh, that's right. It was a roast that we had for Passover and some soda. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Anyways, uh, I think we, I think we blabbered on for too long now. So do we, do, <laughs> You're going to have to, like, cut two massive chunks out of the podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I'll just I just put, like, a general warning before we start rambling. If you want to hear me and Conrad ramble on about nonsense, go ahead. If not, skip to yeah. a certain amount of time. But, I mean, we're still kind of on topic. Uh, the first time we were talking about marijuana and then we switched to politics uh, in politics. general. <laughs> and how much we we like laughing at politics. I mean, the second time we're talking about eating healthy, and then we start talking about healthy food. So I mean, hey, we're kind of on topic. Yeah, the the, the point I guess is uh, what like the underline of what we're talking about is you know be healthy, eat healthy, stay off of medication. There are a lot of healthy, he um, I guess, uh, healthier options if you if you want to uh, replace some of your prescription drugs with. Again, you have to consult your doctor, but turmeric does wonders for a lot of things. Yeah, um, and I've heard, uh, a lot of allergy medicines. Um, you can generally find something that will. I mean, it doesn't replace allergy medicines, but things that help, like garlic and ginger and that sort of thing. I don't know if this is true. Maybe you know, um, but I was told that if you eat honey from the area yes. that you, local honey from the area that you live in, you will not get as bad allergies as you normally do. Yes, I've heard that too. And uh, I'm pretty sure it's true. I'm pretty sure it's true. And I think it's also a double whammy there because honey is far better for you than sugar. Yeah. So if you want to get away from sugar and corn syrup, why not use honey and then get the local honey? And I find that, you know, local honey generally tastes better than the stuff that comes in the, the mass oh, produced yeah. bottles. Oh, yeah. I mean, you do pay through the nose for it, but <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get honey and you're going to put some in your oatmeal instead of salt, then <laughs> <laughs> then you want a, a honey that has kind of a unique, not a unique flavor, but a strong flavor to it. Cause oatmeal is a good quite flavor, a bland, a bland thing. So honey and cinnamon and raisins, you've got yourself an oatmeal there. Well, so is mass produced honey. I feel like a lot of the major brands for honey kind of all taste the same. I can't really taste the difference. So stay away from allergy medicine. No, <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I should say. Stay away from pills. If you can, if you can't, it's probably it's a well, probably for a good reason. If you can't, 
it's it's a um it's a trade-off you look at the cost you look at the effects and all that sort of stuff and then you realize which one is the better one to take and you don't get dogmatic and say never was your evil medication because but you know what also there's a lot of studies that show that if you eat really good like if you eat healthy um you actually end up off your medication and in in some in some cases it depends in, on what in you have in a lot have. of cases so that's i think the, probably the best thing about holistic doctors i don't go to doctors period but um they they often start with your diet oh yeah yeah and they they hand you a thing and they say this is what you can eat and this is what you can't eat and i'll give you a little spoiler the can eat is unnasty is nasty and the can eat is Anyway, okay, the can't eat is nasty, and the can't eat is unhealthy, so, <laughs> and yummy. You're going to find the stuff that you want on the can't eat list. That's a general rule of thumb. That doesn't mean you can't make yourself a healthier version of your favorite foods. That is definitely correct. I make a really good pizza that is healthier, I would say. It's not the healthiest, but it's healthier <laughs> and it's lower in calories. So Yeah, that's probably my greatest weakness is cheese because <laughs> I can't say no to cheese i mean it's technically not bad for you if you get good cheese and then it tastes better when you buy good cheese and then (laughs) cheese and i like cheese yeah it's really hard for me to stay away from pizza and pretty much anything with peanut butter in it yeah or peanut butter in general i just love peanut butter but cheese and peanut butter that is one thing that does not go well together I don't know if, but I think I know somebody who eats cheese and honey together. I don't know if they do it anymore, but boy. That that just sounds wrong. It it was wrong, and I told them it was wrong, and they still (laughs) didn't listen to me. (laughs) Some people just never will see the light. Yeah, I mean, some people will do what they want, and that's cool. Just be prepared to, you know, live up those consequences. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyways, that'll do it for us. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Conspiracies. If you want to follow uh, us on any kind of social media, you just search for Bizarre Conspiracies. We will be there. If you want to email me, Conrad, or Lisa, you can do so at BizarreConspiracies at gmail.com. That's all one word, BizarreConspiracies at gmail.com. And do you have any last words, Conrad? Yes, I do believe that uh, a episode with you and Lisa will become will be in short order. If you, if our listeners have been missing Lisa, uh, I think that won't be for another maybe two episodes. But yeah, there there is one coming with Lisa. <laughs> Was that all you had? And, yep, pretty much. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.